Got it. Good morning, church. If you got a Bible, you can go to Romans chapter 12, verse 9. We're only doing one verse today in this sermon, and I hope we can get through the one verse because it's one of those kinds of verses that is really densely packed with words that when you unpack them, they imply a whole lot for our lives. Today is part seven in my series called Guarding the Unity in Our Church Community. And I'm going to just quickly give us a couple of minutes of a recap because the last time we were here was in November. And we're just continuing today, months later. In the previous parts, I covered guarding our unity by, first of all, Romans 12, 3, not thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, not being high-minded, prideful. Pride is the number one complicator of all relationships. It doesn't make things work out well. It actually makes things worse when we've got pride in the mix, dealing with things or talking to people or responding to things. And so We're told not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but to think with sober judgment according to the measure of faith that God has apportioned to each and every one of us. He's given us the faith, not just to believe in him and be saved, but the faith to walk a covenant relationship with him and grow in this covenant relationship. This faith becomes more and more stronger and more and more complete as we continue to trust God at his word and actually experience the realities of things that he says are true. So we go forward with this measure of faith and we're to view each other soberly, humbly. When you get the perspective of the Lord Jesus, you're going to get pretty low and you're going to get Pretty clear on how to view people around you that are different, which was another thing we talked about. It says uh, in the verse 4 to 8 in Romans that there's a whole lot of differences between us, different gifts. We're not all the same. We don't even have the same personalities. We've got different strengths and weaknesses, knowledge, skills, abilities. We bring all these things that could benefit others to the table. And when we view each other soberly, the end result as a being a a community of many different kinds of people carrying different kinds of things is we should end up appreciating each other and knowing that these differences can come together in a complementary way when we're actually being humble together and getting along with each other. We can actually get along and move forward in the things that God has in mind for us to do. And when we're all activated in these things properly, properly functioning according to Ephesians 4, the whole body ends up building itself up as each part does its proper work. We grow up into the fullness of all that God, Jesus Christ, has in mind for his church. Ephesians chapter 4, 26 to 32 is another thing we covered. If we're going to guard our unity well, we need to control our anger. And we heard all sorts of directives from that text. You can go back to the message if you want to hear it, or you can go back to those verses. But we are given many practical things on how to actually overcome our anger, control our anger, control this sinful nature that wants to react Follow the Holy Spirit instead of the the sinful nature. And in that anger, even if we're offended, we can bring forth all the things that God would have us bring forth as ones who are peacemakers, ones who preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace 
peacemaking if necessary. And peacemaking can be messy sometimes. But I would rather be a peacemaker than a peacekeeper that's quietly angry or going home and fretting in front of my wife and affecting her and my children and all that. That's not a peacemaker. That's someone who's actually disturbing the whole body of Christ without people knowing and little by little eroding things or welcoming Satan instead of welcoming the Holy Spirit to properly deal with conflict. Ephesians 4, 1 to 3, one word, I just remind you and I'll echo the word, it was spudazo, which is a vocational word. The Lord wants us not just to study the things in the Bible or in his word that have to do with unity, keeping, uh, preserving the unity through the bond of peace. We're, we're directed in all sorts of ways in this call to peace, to do certain things that actually foster peace, strengthen the bond of peace, keep the unity so that we can stay intact as a body and keep going forward without coming apart in divisive ways where we become unity breakers. He doesn't want that. And spudazo really is a a word that means don't just study these things in your Bible studies or your meditation times in the scriptures. Practice them. Be specialists in unity. Jesus wants you to get his university degree, his master's degree in unity, where you become really good at preserving unity in your home and unity in the church and unity in all sorts of relationships that you're actually connecting with. Be Part of the solution, not the problem in relational things. And then we got part seven today. Romans 12, 9. This one's all about love. And initially, it it, it tells us that we are to let our love be genuine. Not fakes. You're thinking, how can anyone be a fake in love? There are a lot of fakes out there portraying themselves as these awesome people who love people and they do it all for the eyes of people so people can say that person is a spiritual giant. And then they go home and they do all sorts of things that are the opposite in their private time with their family and others who, you know, maybe the church won't see and they won't hold this against me. We need to let love be the real deal. Another translation says... (laughs) Let love be without hypocrisy. That's the King James Version. That's actually way more in line with the exact words in the Greek. Anipokritos. Not being stage actors of love. You think, what the heck are you talking about, George? Who actually does this? There are a lot of people who are narcissists out there who want to do what they do and impress people with extravagant things that they do, kind, acts of kindness and all sorts of things that you think, man, that's like far out. This person's doing that and that. And he's, he's making sure or she's making sure everybody knows it. That person is in that, doing that for themselves. It fuels their ego. So when you do it to get honor from others or get some sort of title, man, that person is an awesome spiritual person. Meanwhile, inside they're broken and they're never really open about what really is going on. But they have this costume of love on in public. And then behind the scenes, they're really a hurting and a hurtful person. That's not genuine. That's not the real deal. And Jesus criticized the religious leaders of his day in all sorts of ways. He kept calling them hypocrites, hypocrites, hypocrites. Inside, they're not what they look like on the outside. Publicly, they do all sorts of things. You think they're 
people to look up to, but they're not really that on the inside. They're fakes. They're actors. They've gotten really good at doing the religious thing. But that's not really who they are inside. And they were afraid to get too close to Jesus, lest he expose the darkness, the hidden stuff that was inside. You are not going to do well, and I'm not going to do well, if we're keeping secret sins continuing in our lives and giving power to them in darkness. And then in front of everybody else, we're these great spiritual people. We need to be authentic every step of the way, broken in whatever way we're broken, letting God know we're weak when we're weak, letting God know that we need his help or we can't do the things that Jesus commands us to do you are way better off confessing an agreement with God that I can't do this apart from you I can do none of these things you want me to love others as you have loved us I can't do that not without your help but with your help you if you help me I agree with your word in my mind now help me give me the power to actually act in these ways so that I actually properly walk in a manner worthy of the calling I've received from you you've invited me to follow you help me I I don't deny myself most of the time but you want me to deny myself and follow you help me do that in my day i know it in my head but i do the opposite most of the time help me do this walk in a manner worthy of the call and the invitation that you put on my life the purpose ahead of me the purpose with others in the church that you want me to participate in help us all do this together the way you have ordained for us to walk together and do these things We want to take hold of what you have in mind for us. Help us not break down on the relational level. Help us with the unity, keeping it, protecting it, guarding it, relating in all sorts of ways that actually do that and help us beyond ourselves to actually go to others and and do what you have planned for us to do in advance. Let love be genuine. And this love here is agape. So don't think emotion primarily. It might generate good emotions, but it starts with a commitment. We've been called by God in this covenant relationship with him to be committed to him, to love God with commitment. Might as well just change the word to be committed to God and to be committed to one another. Because commitment implies all sorts of things. When someone's having a bad day, you're not looking down on them and saying, ah, 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 you broke the rule. You actually say, he's having a bad day like I have bad days. And today they need my help. I'm going to reach out to them. I'm going to ask them what's going on. I'm not going to tell them all the bad things they're doing. I already, they already know that. And I already know that. What can I do that's beneficial or helpful to them? That's genuine love. Not just someone who studies the Bible and knows all the right and wrong things and becomes a, a, a person that points out everyone's faults. How is that helpful? The Holy Spirit is much better than us in convicting people. How do we get in there and support each other and comfort each other and strengthen each other and encourage each other out of the pits and back on our feet so that together we're going forward because together is better always. Let love be sincere without hypocrisy. And then it says, abhor what is evil. Abhor what is evil. That's the dark side of things here that we're to actually have nothing to do with. The word abhor, apostilleo, (laughs) apo is from, stilleo is, I gotta reject and hate that, have nothing for that. 
What am I rejecting and hating and dreading? What am I terrified of going to? I'm terrified of going to whatever is going to hurt you. I'm terrified of my potential of being a hurtful person with my words. I'm terrified of being someone who can react without even thinking, without even praying, without, without actually asking the Holy Spirit, remind me of what Jesus wants me to do in this situation because I want to give him a piece of my mind. Help me on the street with all these road rules. The road rules just make it a legalistic system on the road. But we're to be gracious when we drive, not some sort of legalist that actually flip the finger or do whatever we do when we manifest all these ugly things inside of us that we're capable of. Help me. Apostillo is help me turn away from all that potential ugliness that can harm people in your church body. Because I'm capable of doing it. Help me to turn away from what's destructive and not constructive. Help me to turn away from the letter of the law that brings death. Help me to move in the spirit and bring life and bring what's good and beneficial and helpful and edifying to others. Help me, Lord, because I'm not good at this without you. And most of the time, my sinful nature reacts too fast and I mess it all up. And even when I get good things from you, if it's just me delivering, I can take a good thing and make it bad by the time I've delivered it because of me. Help me. Help me know how to do this well. Help me to have the love that you want me to have that actually resists all that harmful stuff. And then the second part here, it says clings to, holds fast to, love that's genuine and sincere clings to and holds fast to kolao is the greek word and it means kola is glue help me to stick with all the good things and help me to separate from all the hurtful things whatever's beneficial help me to hang on to that long enough for me to know what to do and then do it because i want to bring forth the good things you have in mind for those around me in my life in my home and beyond I want to be one of those who sees the opportunities and seizes them every time with all people. Sees every opportunity to do good, it says in Galatians 6, to all people. Especially to the family of believers. You want to know why especially to the family of believers? Because those are the people you see more often and you see more opportunities with. Start inside the house and then go beyond that to the world. Do good to everyone. 24-7, it's always in season. When the opportunity is there, do it. When you know what they need, go to it. Offer what you got. The purpose of this message is to unpack this whole uh, love without hypocrisy and then the practical end where you're resisting whatever's harmful and you're extending whatever's beneficial. Here we go. Genuine love, agape, this true Deep, it's not shallow, real, enduring, forbearing kind of commitment to people, bearing with one another's weaknesses, bearing with one another's failings, not looking down on those things, but stooping down to support each other in those weakness, weaknesses, to help each other become stronger in those weaknesses. We are meant to do that with God. The rest is Satan looking down on it and trying to inspire us to do the same. Satan looks at someone who's fallen and he, he inspires me to shoot them down for it. Make it worse, not better. Let love be genuine, it says, without hypocrisy. 
anipokritos. Atheos means without God. Anipokritos means without hypocrisy. Hypocrisy free. What is a hypocrite? Well, in the original understanding of the word, it's a positive thing. We have taken the positive thing and applied it to other places where it doesn't belong, and that's when it becomes a negative thing. Let's talk about what a hypocrite is in a positive sense. Hypocrites. Hypo means to come under. Critis. Come under critics. Who comes under critics? People in theater. They put out their best performance, hoping they can be absolutely convincing on the role they put on, the costume they put on, the face they put on, the emotions they put on. And if they're really good stage actors, you won't be able to tell if it's real or not. You will be captivated. You will be gripped by what they do. You will applaud them. You will think think that that person deserves an Oscar. And that's a positive thing about being a theatrical stage actor that everybody knows in the end that was a fake act but man they had me i was gripped throughout the whole movie that's a good actor they're in the right profession but when you take stage acting and apply it to the church it doesn't belong there no one should be theatrically putting on a performance when we're talking about love Because everybody's going to clap for me and I'm going to get an Oscar in the church and they're going to give me a title and I'm going to get more powerful. I'm going to have a lot of people focused on me, 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 centered on me, centered on Christ, not me. If people are centered on me, I'm doing something wrong. And if if I'm not doing something and people are centered on me, the right thing to do is get them off of me if I'm sincerely not wanting that, but wanting Jesus to be seen and how great he is to be seen. Even in talking here, you're not going to focus on me. These things came from him. Go to the source. This came from you. It's so good, Lord. When I was hearing George talk about you, I was so inspired with how good you are. And how how good those things are that you want for us as your children, as brothers and sisters, real legitimate brothers and sisters, children born of God's spirit, adopted in God's family. You are not like a brother. You are not like a sister to me. You are my brother and sister. We have a common father in heaven that goes way beyond our earthly fathers on earth. We are truly the family of God. And we are to treat each other like that with commitments that don't break. Because... I got offended with that person and I went home and turned that for a few weeks in my head and I had to fill in all the blanks with imagination and man, that little offense has become a monstrous one but so convincing in my mind that now I hold all this against them and I don't know if I have the grace with continuing with that person. That's not the Lord. That's not how we would have you and me handle things in our commitment to each other. The Lord is immediately you go to the person that offended you in a little way And you get the clarity and you talk about things. You talk specifically about how you've been hurt. If it was legitimate, they should specifically apologize on how they hurt you after they processed it and realized, man, that was a hurtful thing. I really wanted to do this, but I said that. What an idiot. I shouldn't have said that. I I didn't want to hurt you. Like sincere love will go to it, spend the time processing what happened and make peace and preserve unity. A short-lived commitment is not really what God is calling us to. That's not walking in a manner worthy of the calling we've received. He's joined us and fit us together. And if we're in this for the long haul, according to God's call, 
we need to work some things out along the way when we scrape each other or bump into each other the wrong way. Jesus called out the religious leaders of his day. These are the people's leaders, the ones they followed. They were the examples. And Jesus called them hypocrites, stage actors. They're fakes. Don't be duped by them. Don't look up to them so much because these guys do not practice what they preach. They portray something publicly that's not the real deal. That's not with their, where their heart is. Their lips actually give me praises, but in their hearts, they're far away from me, just like Isaiah said. That is hypocrisy, where you're acting in your worship times like you're so close to God, and yet in your hearts or their hearts, Jesus is saying, there's a contradiction here. What they're doing with their lips doesn't match where their hearts are at. They're so far, and they're acting like they're so close to God. And their worship is in vain. It's an empty worship for God who sees through it all. And there's Jesus on earth saying, I see through it all. To the religious leaders, he said, hypocrites, hypocrites. Seven times in, in, the, in, in Matthew 23, he called them hypocrites. Whitewashed tombs. You look so good on the costume on, on, on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. You're full of all these injurious, hurtful things. By the way, uh, evil, where it says to resist evil, is to be injurious, poniros. Ponos is pain. Poniros is to be a source of pain, to be a causer of pain, to be a hurtful person. And genuine love will absolutely be terrified of being that. If I really am committed to you, I'll be terrified of being a source of pain to your life with my words or with my reactions or with whatever decisions I make about our relationship. So don't be poniros is what the scripture is talking about here. By the way, another little note on poniros. In the Bible, one of the names of Satan is poniros. He is a pain causer. By the way, in Matthew 25, we're moving off the, the, the realm of the spirit, uh, the spirit realm, and coming down to earth where Jesus is talking about people who serve him. And he called that servant in the parable of the talents who was endowed and trusted with 20 years worth of wages. That's a lot of silver to invest and use in profitable ways for the master. If you care about the master, that guy hid the money. I don't know how much effort it took to take wheelbarrows of silver and go hide it somewhere where no one's going to find it. But he did nothing with the money. He was called lazy, but really it meant unmotivated for the master, but really diligently worked hard to hide the money and do nothing with the money and bring it back the same way he was given it, which by inflation, you know, if you use inflation as a mentality, it's like what you ruined. You didn't care about the master and what he cared about, what he cared about or, or, or what he gave you that for. You didn't do anything with it. It could have been so beneficial. If you will look at the master's goods as being beneficial to others, you neglected to do anything good or beneficial with what was given to you. You are a pain causer by definition. He called him poniros. You poniros and lazy servant. You unmotivated, negligent 
servant. You knew the right thing to do and you didn't do it. That's sin. You could have actually benefited many people and they all ended up hurting because of you. You had the power to benefit them, but you didn't do it because you weren't motivated. You were thinking working for me and me harvesting and you getting nothing in the end wasn't worth it. So you didn't do it. You pain causing injurious servant. That is the word being used where it says to abhor have nothing to do with being that kind of person. When you know the right thing to do and what's really needed, don't go with what you prefer. Prefer the other person. If you see a need there, put aside what you normally would have done or said or really want to talk about or whatever. Put it all aside and see that need and have some compassion and reach out to the need and really be on yourself. Don't look to yourself. Minister to that person. That's beneficial. Ananias and Sapphira, if you want another example beyond the religious authorities of the day, the early church, born again. Ananias and Sapphira are among a bunch of people. The Christian church is great need there, lots of needs, and people are submitting some of their wealth to take care of the needs. And Barnabas sells his house and gives it to the apostles and says, take care of the needs. Ananias and Sapphira see that and they want to copycat the idea because they think, wow, that's extravagant giving. Let's sell our house, they did, and let's give only a portion of it, but make it look like we gave everything. We're such sacrificial people. That was a fake type of impression of giving. Yes, they gave money but they tried to make it look like they were giving way more than they actually were giving. And Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, busts them, arrests them, apprehends them. And he's saying, what made you lie to the Holy Spirit? Like, what are you guys up to? Oh, this is such vain glory type of thing where you want everyone to look at what what kind of extravagant, generous people you are. No, you haven't lied to people. You lied to God with this fakeness and after peter laid that charge on them and rebuked them they each the couple husband and wife fell dead that's scary well god doesn't have a tolerance for being fake he will rebuke it he will discipline it he will correct it and in this case he made these people fall dead in his discipline as a marker for the rest of the church don't be like that I don't like that. So let's be genuine. Even if we actually in our genuineness say, I got to confess, I'm pretty weak. These things that Jesus expects of me is really hard. You are closer to the power of being able to do what he actually wants from you than the person who says, I, I'm great at these things. I'm always great. Look at how many things I do. I make sure everybody knows what I do. That person might not be doing as well as the person confessing that they're a sinner. You don't come before God like that Pharisee and say, look how great I am, and I'm not like that guy. I'm doing way better than that guy. Actually, Jesus flipped it and says, no, actually, you're in the one who's in a worse position. You just make yourself look like you're doing better, but they're in a better place. They went home right with God. You're not even right with God. Well, Let's take a closer look at hypocrisy here. What does genuine love 
that his free of hypocrisy look like? We said here in this verse, the second part of the verse, it looks like two things. Abhorring what is evil, what is injurious, dreading it, terrified that you're capable of it and wanting nothing to do with that. You repel it, you reject it, you turn from it. Satan might want you to dance with it a bit. No, I want nothing to do with the injury causer and I don't want to be an injury causer like Satan. I don't want to be his protege. So it's like, oh, stay away from me when he's coming and tempting you on how to respond. So you resist everything that's harmful. That needs to be a pre-commitment in our commitment to each other. I'm going to resist everything I know is hurtful to you. As soon as I become aware in my mind that it's hurtful, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to cry out to God and say, help me not do what's in my heart right now. Clean out my heart before it comes out of my mouth. Clean out my heart before it comes out of my reactions. Clean, give me something better. I'm listening, Lord. I'm not going to react in anger. I'm not going to react and start talking. Be slow to speak, slow to anger, because the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Call out to him. Let him give you some perspective. Hold tightly like glue to the word that he gives you for the situation you're talking about to him. And then as you hold tightly to his word, humbly do what he told you to do. It might not really cater to self, but Jesus never called you to walk in a manner worthy of his calling and cater to self. He said, deny yourself. Put yourself aside if you're going to follow me. So resist what's hurtful and extend. Go the extra mile. Beyond us here in the church, I hope we don't treat each other like enemies so that this one applies to us in the church. But even to enemies, love your enemies. Be committed to them. Don't write them off. Even when they're mistreating you and saying all sorts of things that are bad about you, don't fight evil with evil, as it says in Romans 12, 21, but overcome evil with good. Sometimes your spouse might act like an enemy, having a bad day. Don't view them as the enemy. The enemy is in the middle there between you. Get the enemy out. Overcome the evil one with good. Bring some sort of kindness to the person having a bad day, whether it's your wife or husband or children or whoever it might be in the church look to bring something that says, I'm still committed to you. My heart is not bad towards you. It's good. I, 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 we're distant right now, but I'm still letting you know I, I have no ill heart, no malice in my heart towards you. I'm not in the back, you know, behind the scenes, thinking of you in bad ways. In the movie, The Gladiator, if we can look at this whole resisting what's harmful and extending what's beneficial. I don't know whoever saw uh, the movie Gladiator starring Russell Crowe. I really like that movie. Uh, they were taken prisoner and made gladiators to put in their arena to be slaughtered by the champion gladiators uh, for entertainment. And Russell Crowe was a, a general in his, in his past. Now he's a gladiator and he's very strategic on knowing how to win a fight. And with the few men that he's been put in there to fight with, uh, it looked like a done deal. They were dead. But when the gladiators were thrown in there and Russell Crowe envisioned them on how to win this fight, <laughs> as individuals, here's the fact. They would have died. They would have been alone in the fight. But together, 
fighting not just for themselves or defending themselves, but fighting for one another, they actually became a shield. They became one man fighting with multiple arms every way, and they actually resisted the enemy and overcame them by actually fighting for one another and not against each other. 1 Peter 4.8 says and exhorts us to love each other deeply. Let it run deep, this commitment. Let it be real. Love each other deeply with a deep, enduring commitment because real, because love covers over a multitude of hurtful things. Love will shield people across from you from all the hurtful potential that exists in you. That's the primary place we're going to you know, talk about hurt. I'm capable of hurting you, but my commitment to resisting that stuff that can come out of me will protect you, will cover you from all the harmful stuff that can come out of me. And I'm also committed to you to protect you from others who want to harm you. I'm with you through it all. When trouble comes in the arena of life, resisting every hurtful thought is our call from God. Every Because if you entertain those thoughts, it's like a battery being charged with power. It gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And if they are negative thoughts, they're going to get stronger and stronger against. So you got to cut off the thoughts. Bring every thought captive to Jesus Christ and say, is this in obedience to you or not? And if he says no, throw it away. Resist the hurtful attitudes, resist the the hurtful behaviors, resist the hurtful words. Got three more minutes. Resist the pride that looks down on and tears down people. Be determined, as I said before, when someone is actually down for the count, to stoop down, not look down on them and say, look how bad they're doing spiritually. What's this person doing in the church anyway? Get down there if you really are someone who's committed and spot them through their trial and help them, comfort them. Say, you're not alone. I'm with you. I'll stay here for as long as it takes to see you back on your feet again and strong again. And I hope you would do the same for me if I was in your situation because that day might come for me as well. New Testament says, (laughs) instead of not doing the things that you would not want done to you, all the hurtful things that you would never want done to you, Uh, Don't do to others. That's like more of an Old Testament mentality and love. But the New Testament goes way beyond that. Goes the extra mile for others. Stretches to do whatever is good for them. It calls for making an effort to speak constructive words, not destructive ones. Does that sound familiar? It's Ephesians chapter 4. Let no unwholesome, rotten, bad injurious talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it may benefit those who listen that's a tall order for me to speak with that kind of controlled tongue that only benefits people in their situations instead of harms them tongue is such a reactive thing it gets triggered so fast to act and we need to be slow to speak and hear from god what's what does this person need What should I say or not say? Don't say that. Say this. Or don't say anything. This is not a time to speak. 
We, we need to be navigated by the Holy Spirit through things because we get ahead of him a lot and we grieve him and we quench his fire. We're to constantly clean our hearts every day. It says put away all bitterness, rage and anger and brawling along with every form of slander and malice. Put that garbage away. It's to th- throw the trash out. That's going to, that's going to, when that stuff fills your heart, there's only one place you can go out of your mouth. And it's like, well, how did all that acid get in this room? Well, it wasn't because that person offended George. It was because George was containing it in his heart. It was bound to come out. It won't come out of her or him because they clean, they clean their heart. They don't allow that stuff to exist in their heart. Clean it out every day. Jesus says, forgive. While the text says, forgive each other just as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. We need to be quick to forgive because Satan will take advantage of unforgiveness. And accept one another embrace pull to one another stay together as god also has accepted us man that was an unconditional acceptance i'm not motivated to accept that person the bible says lack no fire or fervency in these things serving the lord your motivation is from the lord that means you'll never lack motivation when you look upwards if horizontally no one's motivating you these days to love them these ways Look to the Lord. He'll motivate you again. He'll motivate me again. And then finally, when those opportunities happen, and there are far and few between opportunities where we really go the extra mile. If someone's hurting somewhere and you heard about it, try to figure out with God as soon as possible how you can go to them and what you can bring to them that's beneficial. This is love without hypocrisy. Resisting everything hurtful and extending everything that's beneficial so that together we're guarding the unity, strengthening the bonds of peace between each other and going forward. In Jesus' name. Amen.